This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by the following sponsors. We're in the outcry. And we just want to let you guys know about a show we have coming up on July 11th at Hickory Trading Company in Chesapeake, Virginia. And we've got details all over our uh, social media. We've got Olivia Dyer coming out to that show to play with us and a friend, Brian Howerly. It's going to be a great night. It's an outside show. All precautions are taken as far as any COVID stuff. You don't have to worry about any of that. Um, we're just there to support Hickory Trading Company. Come out, enjoy the night, bring a chair. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So we'll see you then. Bye. The more I think about it, every time that I do this, I, I just realize I let my brain go someplace and I don't know where it's going to go. So I apologize in advance, but hey, here we are. I feel like it's just a thing to try to get me to see how long I can go without laughing. <laughs> you know, that might be part of it. It's usually eh, about eight to 10 seconds before I'm just like, what, what what's happening now? <laughs> yeah. And I think the theatrics are going to have to be a little bit more dynamic. I really challenge myself. I got to be the very best. Just call me Pokemon. Uh, but uh, yeah, ladies and gents, what's good? How's everybody doing? Welcome to the latest episode of I to I, short for Inspired to Inspire, the podcast that is all about being open, honest, and real, and having conversations about life and faith. As you know, we are always willing to boldly go where most folks Ain't trying to. And uh, of course, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. Justice was hungry, so she decided eating was more important than trying to make a difference in the world. <sighs> so we 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 love her, but um, you know I'm gonna let her go eat. It's all good. Uh, but we're still glad to have you rocking with us. And um, on this evening, we are gonna continue uh, the conversations of what are the good, the bad, and the misunderstood, uh, mm-hmm. just like the stance that Starbucks took. <laughs> you know, I just, I got to be honest, man. I, I, I was thinking about that and it was funny because as we were uh, editing and putting this together, I was listening to that and I still could not believe. Um, you know, and even as a matter of forgiveness, I ended up at Starbucks today and I was looking at those people, those beautiful co-workers, you know, and I was like, y'all are good people. I don't know what's wrong with your folk. You know, people are people. I'm, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to love you, and I'm apparently going to pay a whole lot of money for this daggone coffee. It is a lot of money for the coffee. It's delicious, and it means I don't have to make it at home. Even though I have a espresso machine, and I know how to do it, and I know how to you know get the foam going and all that fun stuff. But it's just kind of a, it's a production. 
you know. Yeah, I think personally you're doing too much if you have something that can make foam in your home. Um, you know, I'm not a coffee snob like that. You know, I'm, I make my quote unquote keto coffee every morning. Uh, it requires an emulsifying blender. I still think that's a little bit too much, but you know, the way you make it, you got butter, you got a whole bunch of other stuff. You have no choice but to use that or else you're going to have a very interesting experience with your coffee. Mm. And by interesting, I mean nasty. So it actually, I mean, it really does. It tastes really, really good. It tastes like any other latte I'd ever, I'd ever had before. You know, I'm not really an avid coffee drinker, so I probably can't say that it's one of the best things you could ever have in your life. So I won't do that. But I think my personal definition of white privilege is having something in your home that foams. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those. So, you know. Yeah. Sue me for it. No, anybody going to sue you, man. You know, but at the same time, careful your statement because you could have a rabid dog. I don't think that is by any means a definition of white privilege. Anyway. Well, you already know how I feel about dogs. I'm a cat person, so that's not happening. Yeah, I guess this is true. Mm -hmm. All right, I digress. We we, we, we don't need to talk <laughs> about that anymore. Uh, but yeah, so tonight we're going to continue that conversation uh, on the good, the bad, the misunderstood. We covered uh, what could be considered good. We covered what could be considered bad in between good and bad. You know, Devin just had to trump us with his story, which by the way, was, was actually uh, significantly uh, badder. <laughs> well, it wasn't my story. Somebody else wrote it, but it happened to me. So nonetheless, yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. You know, but here's again to, to the vapid idiots. Just, yes. I, I'm sorry that that is going to be in my vocabulary for at least another two months. That's, that's your new burn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> vapid idiot. Yes. Like, you know, you gotta use like the 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 king's English or something. It's, yes, you do. Yeah, this is this is gonna be bad. Y'all just pray for you now pray for my wife, because I'm probably gonna be doing it around the house a lot. And that means that we may need counseling. Pray for her. No, I mean pray for you. I hope you're not calling her that. That's gonna <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm just gonna be saying it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's probably gonna cause her to want to stab me. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We teased last week some of the misunderstood things and I wasn't able to get to them, but that's all right because we've got some fun stuff. There were mainly just two things I wanted to hit. One is, well, actually, well, I guess one's not really funny, even though it's from a guy who can be funny. But the other one is just funny because it's uh, something I saw on Twitter that somebody was adding Tom Morello, who is the guitar player for Rage Against the Machine. And he didn't really care for what uh, his political stances were, which is, is very liberal. And he says to him, I used to be a fan until your political opinions came out. By the way, they've been out for like 25 years. Like, it's really easy to know. I was like, hold on now. We're talking about... It is really easy to know. Zach De La Roca, you know, I, oh my God, I, bro, I, I mean, I, I was not in the white people music world that much, but I could tell you something about Rage Against the Machine. I was a huge fan of theirs and I know that uh, you knew what they thought. Oh, yeah. But basically, basically he says, music is my sanctuary. And the last thing I want to hear is political BS when I'm listening to music. As far as I'm concerned, you and Pink are completely done. I like that, I like that he's lumping in. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Morello with with pink like <laughs> those are what? very different types of music but that's fine uh, and then he says keep running your mouth and ruining your fan base and so somebody replies and basically says 
what machine did you think he was raging against? The dishwasher? <laughs> yeah. I think the answer is yes. I think, yeah. you know, and I also think this person, um, I'm pretty sure they work for Starbucks. Oh, they might. Yeah, that's... They probably, well, here's the thing. The baristas had nothing to do with this. This is very true. It was the corporate people in their, you know, what's the, there's a big Starbucks tower in what, what movie is it? Uh, Austin Powers, right? Isn't that where Dr. Evil was? Maybe he was plotting the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think that he was a, an executive, whoever this guy is, that was a rage against the machine. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's got to be vice president in command or something. Cause Could have been a youth pastor. Bruh, but- come on now. <laughs> Let's 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 do better as 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 a people. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought this was America. It is America, right? Because you're allowed to say those things. Um, so then the second one, this is actually the the much more misunderstood because I saw people really go into town on poor Terry Crews. Who, if you don't know about <laughs> Terry Crews, uh, he is the muscle bound guy who is in the Old Spice commercials. He's in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I believe he's in White Chicks. Uh, he's a he's a funny guy, super charming, super down to earth. I've heard him in interviews. Uh, I believe he is a uh, a Christian man. He's talked about his struggles with pornography and things like that and how he's overcome them. He's very open about them and just seems like a, a really good dude. And basically he yeah. he had said, defeating white pr- white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is truth. Like it or not, we are all in this together. And I always love when people hear something or read something and they simply want to focus on two words out of like the 30. Black supremacy, right. people freak out about that. And it's like, do you understand what the guy is saying? That basically if it is white supremacy versus blacks, like you're going to have one side or the other who's going to come out on top. So regardless of which side it is, they're going to be the supremacy. <laughs> oh my God, man. Like, it's pretty straightforward, yet people misunderstood what he was saying so badly. And just came after a guy who's, you know, very genuine in, in the stuff that he says and the intentions that he has. Plus, have you seen him? Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's not a good look, my guy. Like, I, I don't think you want that for your life. Um, Playboy, I think is the best way we say that. Is that the, the cultural way? You don't want that smoke, I'm sure. You know, just find something. You don't want those hands or pecs? Yeah, no, yeah, especially not the pecs. Come on, man. No. Team Viking Zulu Flame Sacks. I still remember that commercial. <laughs> the most ridiculous nonsense ever, but you're, you're spot on though. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we we have uh, specifically in American culture. And of course, let's let's just tie the Christian, uh, the beautiful Christian knot around it. There are so many misgivings, misunderstandings, and we could just say misinterpretations. And I know we talked about that a little bit last week. You know, I love the fact that people simply refuse to listen. And now apparently they don't listen with their eyes either uh, because you can read an entire tweet, mm-hmm. read an entire Facebook post. You can read an entire, you know, just come on now. <laughs> I mean, I get it. This this goes back to the understanding of, you know, I, I went to Regent. So, you know, I was uh, heavy into the land of of the man that they call the chancellor, you know, yeah. uh, good old patty boy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think is an amazing and an awesome man of God. I also think that for 30 seconds of just about every interview in his life, he said something that somebody can take and run to the hills with it. And they have. But my my question to a lot of those people were, yeah, you may not entirely agree with what he said, but did you listen to the entire five minute conversation that he had? Right. You know, because then you realize, oh, shoot, he said some stuff that I probably need to listen and pay attention to. You know, and, and the old... 
uh, black schools of academic Christian thought. They call it eating the meat and spitting out the bones. If you don't agree with everything, that's perfectly fine. However, it would be a good idea for you to shut up and listen because something tells me that the rest of it could be potential gold. Um, and now we we don't even worry about listening. Now we just don't even read everything. This this is amazing. Uh, congratulations. High five, America. And I like when you say the entirety of a tweet. I mean... It's 140 characters, man. <laughs> you don't need to say entirety. <laughs> like, that's just funny. Um, but... Then also to to that point is this is this is what America is about now. It's about only taking the one or two things and choosing to judge someone's entire portfolio for it, or to take one or two things and decide that, well, that's the team I'm aligned with, even if the other 98% of things are just utter dumpster fire. I care about that 2% so much that now I'm on that team. And that's basically what's happening. So, you know, in fact, there's another thing that I had read where somebody says, uh, I'm going on record now. If they try to cancel Christianity, if they try to force me to apologize or recant my faith, I will not bend. I will not waver. I will not break. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I am proud to be an American. And a reply was, the fact that so many conservative Christians have interpreted many people's desire to eradicate white supremacy as a precursor to canceling Christianity in America is incredibly telling. And that's what I'm kind of seeing all over the place. I'm not exactly sure how saying, you know what? Black lives do matter. You know what? We should help uh, fight against racism is suddenly an attack on Christianity unless there's some really deep buried roots of hatred there that you realize exist and yet you refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that they they refuse to acknowledge. It's not that they don't realize. It's just that they're deceived. Um, you know, I, I said the two words last time. It's called Christian nationalism. And you know what? I will not talk about that or them specifically because, to be perfectly honest with you, it is not worth the time. This is what I will say, though, and I love it because uh, our pastor... Uh, has actually coined the phrase, and I'll just say it on here because uh, I'm pretty sure that he would say it in all the comfort of of of, of himself. Uh, you know, God is not an American. Yeah, well, that's easy for somebody who grew up in another country to say, isn't it? Of course he would say that, right? Well, you know, you also said that God's not Chinese. <laughs> well, he didn't grow up in China, so. Nailed it. Yeah. God is all is all races, right? Or none. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. No, God is God. That's there. There's your bottom line. Uh, God is the creator of all of these people and these things. If you read the shack, God is all ki- types of different things. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And uh, you know, I I love the fact that he says it because, to be perfectly honest with you, I I love our people, uh, but we can be better. We've had this conversation as well. Um, but, you know, I think that there are a lot of folks who forget that the development of our Christian faith had nothing to do with the United States of America. The development of America had nothing to do with the United States of America. So if we're really having this conversation, then there is uh, an appreciation that needs to be had for, I don't know, the beginning of a thing. And it's not just... The, the part of Christian nationalism that is a huge supporter of Israel because you're just supposed to be a huge supporter of Israel. 
um, let's have a real conversation here. You really need to understand that, A, uh, there was a group of people that had no English or American accent uh, that pretty much pieced everything together to ensure that you have uh, the comprehension of your faith. And, you know, I think that many people sit that on the wayside because they're like, okay, well, we it's been so, so long ago. Well, you know, that's fine until you realize that your American self is going to put everything in an American lens and that includes the Bible. And then that's when that becomes problematic because, I don't know, we we could go into so many different directions. I think one of the easiest ways to, to explain or describe it was um, uh, listening to Dr. Darius Daniels one time. Uh, one of my favorite sermons ever called I Quit Church. And he uh, he went and he broke down how certain churches uh, have policies against their women wearing pants because the Bible says that women are not to wear men's clothing. Well, <laughs> I feel like all the single men want to go to that that church if the women aren't wearing pants. It, well, you know, I mean, this obviously means they wear a dress, bro. Chill out. Oh, all right. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, pray for you. <laughs> But last I checked, when when I when I look in the Bible, you know they they have their, their their sackcloth and ashes, they have their linen, they have you know whatever you're wearing for whatever the culture and the climate calls for. But I never see a pair of Levi's, and I never see a pair of True Religions, <laughs> and I seriously doubt that many of them actually really did. I mean, there there are some I think some occasions in the Bible where people did wear pants. Okay, cool. There is a Levi though, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Man. Well, you know, exactly. <laughs> it was weird you chose that one when there is a Levi. You could have gone with Jordash or something like that. But no, I couldn't go with the Jordash because they don't exist anymore. And I got tired of people calling me that when I was a kid. I'm so sorry. You, I, I feel the sting is still there. Yeah, you're, you're, you're bringing stuff up, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm dealing with it because I'm a believer. I won't cry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, but that, that, that's my whole thing. There's so many things that that people take out of context concerning the Bible, and it has nothing to do with with anything that we might think it has something to do with. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, but when you read the Bible and you don't understand the context of a thing, and yeah, this is the hermeneutics professor and me speaking loud and clear right now, and you don't know the original message that the original author was trying to tell the original people, then you can eventually find yourself in a lot of trouble because you will just assume that it has to mean something dealing with the United States of America. Well, and that's, that's the one step further where you eisegete instead of exegete. Exactly. Where you're just basically looking to find things to support what you already believe are true versus reading what the text is actually telling you. My, my favorite thing is uh, the Americans' understanding of slavery, because that's a big conversation to have, because biblical slavery is not the same as the slavery that uh, we experienced here in the United States of America as well. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be very, very carefully taken into consideration as well. It was called indentured servitude. And yeah, no, there were some that was harsher than others. But for the most part, being a slave back in the day was a job. Um, and there was a certain point in time in America where it could have been considered a job, but it wasn't. It was also something called convict leasing. Uh, but if you pay close enough attention to the understanding of biblical slavery as opposed to the slavery that happened in the United States of America, the fact that people actually tried to take the Bible and make it a slave Bible so that people, uh, by people I do mean white slave owners at the time, having a real conversation here, would help other people who are their slaves, uh, A, accept Jesus, but B, also continue to fall into the systematic oppression uh, that they were trying to produce upon those people. 
Um, yeah, you it just uh, you don't need to go too far, too much further to to realize that um, one, a lot of this was birthed in insecurity. Two, um, folks were deceived and deceiving people, and unfortunately, yeah, we've come a long way from that, but they're still doing it. They're, it's still happening. It is very clear. It is very present. And so therefore, it is very much a danger because it means that we misinterpret and we misunderstand the words of God. And that needs to be corrected and needs to be corrected fast. Yeah. And deceit and, you know, telling people lies and changing the truth. Unfortunately, right now, like you said, it's still happening, but it seems to be accelerating because of the information being spread so quickly through internet, social media groups and different things like that. And now when groups even go to combat it, then other groups say, well, you're oppressing freedom of speech, which is hilarious because if you really look at, at what the freedoms are, uh, a private corporation should have all the freedom in the world to include or not include whatever it is that they want to. And <laughs> so right away, that's the hypocritical stance, you know? Yeah. Kind of how we got here. Uh it's just happening faster now instead of taking multiple decades to systematically make changes to things. Very true. <laughs> you can just lie about something and say it's somebody else's fault, uh, even though there's all sorts of proof to prove that that's not true. But oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I kept the mm -hmm. names out, I kept all the names out. So <laughs> <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. We had that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord Jesus, be praised. I just had one final misunderstanding. Ooh, another one? What? Well, yeah. Oh, boy. That was, Come on, bring yeah. it. Let's go. Let's go. Um, we, we touched, I think we touched on it last week. At least we touched on NASCAR and how they were handling things. You know, and the fact that they did more for Bubba Wallace in 48 hours than the NFL did for Kaepernick in four years. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> the, the noose in the garage story you know, all of us thought was a directly related hate crime. And it turns out that I guess it had been there since like last October and was just being used to pull down the garage door. And the garage was randomly assigned to Bubba Wallace. So it wasn't something that was put there on purpose. That's not to say that tying knots like that is not a pastime for you know, garage technicians who work for NASCAR, uh, neither here nor there, but it wasn't a direct <laughs> a assault or hate crime on Bubba Wallace. So per the FBI, yeah. who I do trust. I mean, I, I do trust the FBI as well. I still might be a touch of a conspiracy theorist on this. I'm, I'm, I'm for sure no doubt on Sean King. But, um, <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme of things, that it's almost like it's indirectness seems like it would be 100% classified as something that would be defined as systemic racism. <laughs> well, yeah, that's actually... I don't, I don't know why. I, I, hey, honestly, I, I have no proof, and I'm not even trying to come with that argument. I, I'm just saying I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this one. This is, this is something that I think it's very, very clear, uh, at least with NASCAR, uh, that they ain't tolerating stuff. So if it if it just so happens that NASCAR does their own investigation and finds something different, I personally I'd be I'd be very very weak. Right. Um, I bet it's I bet it's our boy. What was his last name? Sorelli or something. <laughs> Ray Sorelli. <laughs> which, by the way, 
I failed to have you say his name slowly in realizing that when you say Ray Cisarelli, wow, it's a whole other level of humor. Um, yeah, I screwed up there. It's funny though that you say it's still potentially a <laughs> proof of systemic racism because it's almost like an accidental target. So, so whether uh, the the guy who tied the knot exactly. is an avid fisherman or was the first mate on the Pequod and just simply <laughs> loves tying nautical knots on his free time, or it was actually tied that way. It's like, oh, I didn't mean to offend someone, but since I did, you know, so yeah, it, it could have just been total random accidental racism on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that's, that's the exact so, way to, to describe that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Let's do it. <laughs> but the pragmatist in me it does like to say there was no actual intention for this thing to happen. It doesn't mean <laughs> that the individual who may or may not have tied this thing wasn't thinking terrible thoughts when they did it. But, you know, they just apparently got super lucky by it being in uh, Bubba Wallace's garage at the time. So, but yeah, so that would be the the last of the misunderstandings, yeah. uh, at least that we're going to go over. I'm sure there are still a great deal of things that are being misunderstood every day in our world. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny too, because that's what's going to happen, right? We're going to find out the, the person's actually going to fess up. That's going to be amazing enough in itself. And then he's going to be like, well, I, I only did it because it's so craftfully done. Do you, do you see the, the craftsmanship there? Yes. Oh, they're are they the ones selling the uh, ornaments on Pinterest or decorating the tree at the uh, universities? <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. its own racist version of Etsy or something. Yo, chill out. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, we we need to we we need to move on. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. Retsy race race <laughs> redneck. Yeah, stop yeah, me, man. There's a lot of different move ways on. we could go. So. <laughs> This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Let's talk about the NBA. Let's jump from one sport to the other. I am looking forward to the potential start of the NBA, although it is interesting how many NBA players I keep hearing about catching uh, COVID. You know, they've got... Uh, is it Jokic, an excellent player for for Denver? Yeah. He has it. He's over in Europe right now. And he will be able to rejoin the team, I guess, in like a week. And then there was a couple of other players. A couple of players have bowed out. A couple of players, <laughs> I did hear this. This is kind of funny. So two of the players as part of the uh, players union uh, group, right, that's representing the players union is uh, Kyrie Irving, <laughs> who has... Very interesting thoughts anyway. He's a flat earther or apparently not, or apparently is. It's hard to say. Firmament, homie. Hashtag firmament. And uh, so is so is John Wall. And both of them are making $200 million a year or $200 million in their contract. And both of them are injured. So they wouldn't be able to play anyway. And yet they're both saying, well, if we could play, we wouldn't play. So there. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I did not understand that the second that I saw it. I'm really just, yeah. bro. Yeah. Plus, anybody who who plays Uncle Drew and says the word <laughs> young blood, I, I automatically just can't take seriously. Uh, you know who else got got COVID? Who that? Novak. Djokovic. Yeah, him and his wife, right? Uh, I know him. I'm not sure about his wife. And what's interesting about that is, and I'm not even, again, I'm not making this up, much like I wasn't making up the racist Lorelli story, but uh, Djokovic is a anti-vaxxer, legit anti-vaxxer. And it's just weird that his first name is Novak. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not making that up. He legitimately is. <laughs> I know you crazy. can't make that up. I, yeah, yeah <sighs> I know. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's well, let's just, well, number one, we'll pray for all of them. As a matter of fact, yeah, we're praying for, for one of my sisters too because we found out that she got it. This, right, right. It's still real, you know, in the midst of all this um, racial reconciliation or unrest, however you want to look at it. Yeah, you know, just have hope, but doggone it. it. Just don't forget to wash your hands still. I guess that's, that's the bottom line. Well, well, we'll pray for your sister. We'll pray for, you know, the Lakers. Um I'm probably not going to pray for the Celtics. Chill out, bro. <laughs> or, you know, uh, probably not praying for anybody on the Rockets. This, this is not how faith works. This is not how faith works. What do you Stop mean? It. I didn't say that I that I believe God can't heal them. I'm just saying I'm not going to specifically ask God to keep Kawhi from catching COVID. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. That That is not a shot about faith. That's simply just just me admitting my own shortcomings as a loving Christian. That's all it is. Oh, God. Yeah, man, and and the shortcomings are are coming short. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, God. Uh, Anyway, yeah, a few weeks back, um, there was an article in USA Today because we really need to change the subject, not praying for people. What even? This this is a Christian podcast, bro. Uh, But yes, uh, we will not get into the entirety of the story because I really do not feel like discussing all of it in subjectivity. But there was an article in USA Today. Uh, I think we're finally there. Praise the Lord. Excellent. Um, it was an Abed piece by a dude that uh, I kind of respect named uh, Scott Jatani. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to was called The Holy Post. It was crazy nonsense, but yep. uh, they really keep Christocentric truth. Uh, I think that they are a tad heavily biased on certain, certain things, but I don't have a problem with it because, again, they really try and keep Jesus at the center. So we good. He did an op-ed piece in uh, USA Today. So it, it it has the the chance to have bias in it anyway. And that's one of the reasons I really didn't want to talk about it itself. Um, but uh, yeah, in it, it basically talks about, um, you know, President Trump's uh, whole opportunity for that photo op that happened in front of the church, the one where we officially drew our line in the sand. Um, and it, it made a comparison uh, to that, as opposed to the life of George Floyd. Um, And the reason why was because I think we talked about it um, in that uh, same sick and tired episode. We we talked about how, you know, George Floyd was actually uh, really, really uh, big in his community as far as uh, ministry and things of that nature were concerned. And so what he ends up doing in this uh, op-ed piece is he just kind of compares and he contrasts the understanding of what it was uh, for Trump to have that Bible and that photo op as opposed to uh, the life that uh, George Floyd lived uh, when he was down in Houston, the things that he was doing. And I'm going to read some stuff in a second. I will say this, though. I, I really do wish uh, that he would have done one thing specifically that he did not do. I wish that he would have really 
taking the time out to to pull out the 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 actual journey of George Floyd. You know, um, we talked about all the great things that he did, um, some Bible studies, being out in the community, things of that nature. But uh, thanks to our friend Candace Owens, we all know that he also had a past, um, that he did partake in criminal activity, that he made some really big mistakes, that he did jail time for those mistakes. Um, and last I checked, you know, I think that if you take a look at both of those things, think you frame perfectly uh, a lot of individuals that you see in the Bible. Uh, David Foreman is one of my favorite. Again, uh, Netflix and chill and kill. Yet he was the king of all kings and the one after God's heart in the Old Testament. Uh, so, you know, you have to be able to put the entire picture together. You have to have the comprehensive setup that is the person. That way you have the real believer. You have the one who struggles, the one who goes back and forth, the one that knows that they're a sinner. They need the grace of God. You know, I wish he would have done that. He did not do that in this piece at all. Nonetheless, still a really good piece. Uh, he did really nailed down something specifically that I do want to address. And it's a little wordy, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it anyway. And he basically talks about the representation of Trump. I'm not going to talk about Trump himself, but the representation of that piece uh, is that in our society now, the Bible's words are optional for some. Now, let me explain exactly what he said. This is what he writes. He said, it became apparent to me several years ago that the faith of some evangelicals no longer stands on this firm foundation. Of course, that's the foundation of the Bible. Um, I was teaching a class in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' most famous message. You can find that in Matthew chapter 5 and partially chapter 6, which contains many of the faith's core teachings on compassion, forgiveness, and loving one's enemies. After reading the full sermon together with a room full of lifelong evangelicals, I asked, How many of you think Jesus actually expects us to live out these commands? No one raised their hand. So he just asked, you know, WWJD, like Jesus said, blessed are the people who do this. Blessed are the people who do that. Blessed are, you know, which means that he's giving, you know, real commands on, on, on how to live life. Right. And then he asks how many think that, or yeah, Jesus really expects us to live out these commands and nobody raises their hand. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let me keep going because like I said, it's a little long. Uh, One person said it was impossible. No one could live that way. Another said Jesus was illustrating what a perfect life looks like and how none of us can attain it. At the same time, I was amazed by the logical contortions these committed churchgoers employed to nullify Jesus' commands. Even, this, this is the word that got me, even neutering the parable at the end of his sermon about the perils of not obeying his word. Since then, I've discovered the ubiquity of this approach. So, you know, I mean, I don't want to say that he's spot on, but that's just because I really don't want to say that he's spot on because I would like to not think that he's right. But if I'm going to be honest, he's right. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't it a lot easier to be a Christian without having to follow all the rules? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it is. It uh, it also says something a couple of chapters after that in Matthew chapter 7 about some wide gate and narrow gate and, and you know, pretty much uh, what ACDC would have probably coined the, the, the highway to hell. Uh, this is not a hellfire, brimstone, sin and damnation uh, podcast, though, so... We're not going to go there, but I mean, that that's that's my whole thing, though. I think that, um, number one, I think that people really forsake the understanding of grace. 
that that's that's the biggest piece for me. I think that they don't realize exactly what it constitutes and what it looks like in one person's life. Um, I think that they are very graceless towards themselves. And so they basically give up on the principles and the teachings of Jesus, at least the way that he had explained them. Uh, and this even goes outside of what I was talking about last week uh, with uh, our, our, our buddy boy Falwell, you know, and how some people can really just kind of cave into folk theology and think that whatever one person is teaching is is just the way to go. Uh, or being disgruntled by what one person is teaching and then just turning away from the faith. I think this is this is even set apart from that. I think this this here right right here specifically. I don't know why I got West Coast on that, uh, but I, <laughs> the, you know this right here specifically. Um, you know, I mean, it, you you can see that they've they've taken polls. I think for at least the past decade, and like fifty percent of Christians actually believe everything that the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Which to me, I mean, I'm. I just, from an accountability standpoint, I think that means that somebody is not cultivating the proper, um, you know, I don't know, culture, belief system or something with them. Because last time I checked, if something is your faith, it's your faith. You don't just, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, just, and and believing what it says and understanding what it actually says are two pretty big different things too. You know, you bring up the the thought about grace and I was very struck when I learned about Bonhoeffer and what he said about cheap grace. And I I do believe that that's kind of this infectious thing in the States where we have, you know, we talk about prosperity gospel, but I think prosperity salvation is a real thing too, where it's like, oh, we're saved. All right, we're cool. All right, let's just keep doing what we do. And it's like, no, 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 there okay, if we go through the New Testament, there's like these four books at the beginning that kind of talk about who came to save us and why he did it and whatnot. But then after that, there's all this stuff that says, hey, <laughs> once once you believe in that guy and that, those first four books, um, so you kind of need to do all this other stuff and make it applicable. And a lot of people just simply stop with the cheap grace. And when it's cheap, it really doesn't cost you anything. So you don't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> It gets a little interesting and difficult. I think also this this feeds into something else that um we don't talk about too much too, and that is really being able to find gospel. You know, some people think that it's just the four books. I understand that. That's perfectly fine. But you also have to read into understanding what's presented there. Um, it becomes difficult when we specifically want to address what they call soterion gospel. And of course, that's the gospel of salvation itself, which is very, very important. And it is very much a part of the gospel. But I do not think it is the only part of the gospel. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why it becomes the the cheap grace that it becomes is because sometimes that's just the teaching in itself. We think that because we are saved, we're good to go. Right. Uh, but then we forget other things and we can add on to that. There's things like uh, uh, Ephesians chapter two. Again, we've, we've been going there all just about every doggone episode, um, but how it talks about we are saved by grace for good works. Right. Um, so, you know, we can, we can start talking about that. And I think one of the reasons that people kind of defected from that understanding was because of the things that uh, Mark talked about, you know, no, it's not about works. Okay. No, it's not about works. Uh, you know, Jesus got on that cross and that sealed the deal for everybody. And it is for that reason that we need to make every effort that we can to go out there and do our best because he did give his life for us. And we missed that across the board. So 
I'm going to kind of advance it. Uh, there's another gospel that is out there, an argument for a gospel. It's called the King Jesus gospel. And, you know, I'm sure Kanye is stone in love with it. Um, but uh, the the layout of it is basically we have to remember a couple of things. There's a preamble to the gospel that we understand, and that is that Jesus came preaching the gospel before the gospel actually happened, if we're talking about the whole soterion piece. Because he was talking about the gospel, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's pretty much the gospel that he was explaining long before he ever got on the cross. So then something doesn't make sense about the fact that we say that he died and rose again, and then that's it. There has to be more than that. And so there is this posthumous understanding of what happened when he did get off the cross. And that is that obviously he uh, arose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. And now he sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, uh, thus making him King Jesus over all. And then that's where we get to add that other part. Everyone always talks about Savior. Savior, Jesus is my Savior. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, child. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, mm, he doesn't save me. But then there's that other word that we don't use often, and that is Lord. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. That's where it gets a little tricky for some folks because when something is Lord over you or you have a land Lord or you have, you know, uh, you can go back into old English, Lord Farquhar. No, that's, that's, what is that, Shrek? Whatever. I was thinking, I was thinking like Sith Lord, you know, something like that, but you can go Shrek if you want. My my bad, my bad across the board. Uh, But no, seriously, when we, when we talk about Lord, that means that there is one who is head of your life and that head of your life can make commands he makes commands that we are to follow. Um, and those give us a refreshed version of not just a sustained life, but a life to the full. That's John 10, 10. So you can't tell me that we are we have all grounds covered if we're just talking about this quote-unquote soteria gospel. I love the fact that over 2,000 years ago, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through, 1 through 5 or something like that, you know, that Jesus got on the cross, Dad was buried in the grave on the third day. You know, just uh, it, it, you know, just uh, taking it to the black church, which we don't need to talk about because that was another part of, of this uh, this piece that we might be able to speak on in a second. But you know, I mean, it's awesome that we have that, but that is only a fraction of the whole picture, and we need to take that whole picture and apply it to our lives because if we don't, then we are missing something that is so important. And it's not, like I said, I think for some, it's not even that they just don't want to believe everything that the Bible says. I think that, uh, here we go, where the email's at, uh, they're not being taught correctly Yeah. what to believe, you yeah. know? And for what it's worth, that's a big issue that is happening, not just in the church, but in Christian communities uh, worldwide. We need to understand that there is a king that reigns and not just our president or not just our prime minister or, you know, wherever country you come from, you know, we, we talk about those delegations and of authority that God has appointed. Yeah. And for some people that they believe anoints it, whatever. Um, but, you know, above them, there is one who reigns and he's going to reign forever. And that's the problem. We forget that part because after you go and finish up in this life, you got some eternal rest and then you got to face the one who reigns eternally. And then you got to explain to him why you thought Christian nationalism was the coolest thing. Anyway. <laughs> well, we, we get it backwards a lot too, because I think one of the things that we are taught in a lot of ways is that the Bible is a rule book. And it's not. The Bible is a guidebook. If you follow the things that are in the Bible, oftentimes your life is just simply going to be easier. 
And that would, would even be true of people who are atheists. Like, for instance, uh, if you do not have multiple sexual relationships outside of marriage, your life is probably going to be easier than if you just simply stayed faithful to one person or if you don't commit adultery. Like, regardless of the moral side of things, your life is probably going to be less stressful if you choose to do that. Your life <laughs> is probably also going to be less stressful uh, if you do not practice, you know, in homosexuality or things. And, and that's a debate for a different thing as far as, you know, are we born that way or not? But the fact is, is that I would guarantee you that people who, who are homosexual or identify that way would probably say, you know, life would be easier if I wasn't. <laughs> like, in a lot of ways, I feel you. the Bible is, is simply a guidebook saying, hey, here's some ideas. <laughs> if you follow these ideas, your life is probably going to be a bit easier. Um, and, and it's more of a guidebook than it is a, a rule book. And I think if we were taught that way, it wouldn't feel so imposing sometimes. And, you know, it's a lot like taking care of yourself, right? Like everybody knows that you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't do drugs, you shouldn't be eating a ton of fast food, you shouldn't be consuming a bunch of sugar, you should probably be working out, different things like that. But man, it's so, it's so much easier not to. <laughs> it's just easier not to. Um, <laughs> but, but we know the guidelines that are there, you know, actually would lead to a better life. So... Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that. And, you know, I, for what it's worth, I know that one of the main reasons that I support everything that you just said, even in the fact that there are still a lot of conversations being had, is because you said the term guidebook. Um, and I think that's the problem. You you also said impose. And when you said that, the, you know, that was the, the light bulb and not the red flag. But it feels like it's a red flag for other people because because that's what Christianity does in the United States. It imposes itself. And then it's not right. always correct on top of that. Right. And so people feel this, you know, legalistic condemning tone that never came out of Jesus's mouth, you know? Right. And, and, and I think that's the biggest part of that because when someone allows themselves to be guided by it and they continue to actually just learn, mm -hmm. they ask the questions, I'm pretty sure that their response to something that might be unsettling for them in the Bible is not going to be the same as the, you know, the setup from, from the church that says, no, you can't do this or you're going to hell. Because first of all, let, let's, let's revisit here. I think Romans chapter eight, verse one says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and everyone is a sinner. So then it becomes a very awkward conversation because if you do genuinely believe and you are making the attempts and we all fall short, oh, sucker, we all fall short. Whoever you are, I hope you're out there listening. We all fall short, including you. Including me who doesn't pray for the Clippers. Exactly. Or, yeah. Uh, so, you know, when, when you get to have your conversation with Christ, he's going to ask you probably the same questions he's asking everybody else. And I can guarantee you that it's not going to be, well, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? Instead, it's probably going to sound like, hey, what were those good works that you were supposed to do while you were down there? Right. Why did, right. Why did you not do them? Right. It's going to look more like a, a discussion of your resume than a review of your rap sheet. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's the, the craziest part because we focus on the rap sheet. Yeah. We should be focusing on our resume. Yeah. You know, not, not folk, you know, you should be building your resume. Right. Don't care about nobody else's resume because the only person that's going to be approving of that is a being that is much higher than I and you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I don't know, man. I just, for what it's worth, I, I really, um, 
appreciate this article because it does dredge up the understanding of of that thought process um, and the fact that yeah, George Floyd is probably not the model citizen that we should be building movements on. I don't think that he is. I just think that he was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's correct. Yeah. At the same time, though, many men made moves on behalf of David, and David was no angel by any means. Uh, and there are a variety of other people in the Bible that we can make that same uh, account, give that same story to. Um, I just love the fact that I serve a God who not only will not condemn me in the form of uh, Jesus Christ a long time ago, he also made sure that anybody trying to condemn me has their acts written in the sand, just like the woman that was caught in adultery. So mm-hmm. um, I'll leave that there and let people do with that what they will. <laughs> They want to cast a stone, I'll be sitting here waiting for them, just like you'll be sitting here waiting for them. But I'm going to tell you something else. I won't throw no stone at them, and I know that they've done things. <laughs> yep, because unfortunately, when you're constantly looking at everybody else's rap sheet, they're going to focus on your rap sheet. And let's let's be resume builders, people. Let's do that. And build your own doggone resume. That's right. I just feel like the church became LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, God. That's the worst social media site. Although it's probably less cancerous than a lot of the others. So maybe I should just start browsing LinkedIn. <laughs> now, you know, I personally like LinkedIn a whole lot. I think that, uh, uh, but actually, you know what? It's probably because of what you just said, though. You know, you only see positive stuff up there. I'm, I'm waiting for the one negative post that I see on LinkedIn. And then I'll know that Rapture is probably a week away. Yeah, but I, I spend my days like dining on corporate emails and whatnot. So LinkedIn is just like, ugh. <laughs> All right, I don't need any more of this. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's crazy, man. That's yeah. so crazy. Well, you know, here's to the the resume rap sheet edition of of uh, Truth Be Told and, and, yes. and Eye to Eye. Uh, I don't know how we got there. That That's a freestyle for you. Yeah, we should just sum it up. We should just do like a two-minute <laughs> two right. episode. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Craziness, man. Crazy. I don't think there's anything else I got to add to the fire, man. Anything else you got to stoke with? No, I'm good. Well, folks, I, I think that uh, the eyes have it. We are, we're going to call it one. Um, and somewhere, I'm sure that justice is full and sound asleep, so... Peace out to the one who probably still wear a kid's onesie. That was wrong. I'm, I'm sorry, Justice. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so that's how you can tell I'm tired because, you know, usually I would do that if she was here. Right. And, but when she's not here, I usually try and save the pettiness. But, you know, it's, it, it, it's already out there. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Justice. Please forgive me. I thank you in advance for, for your forgiveness. See, you're being petty toward people that we personally know. I'm just being petty toward people that don't even care that I'm being petty toward them. So... If you're not petty towards people that you know, then you almost feel like you don't care. No, I'm petty toward them too, but usually when they're around. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's what I'm saying. You know, I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just whatever. You clearly, um, I think, yeah, delirium is setting in. It's mm-hmm. just time to go night night. I just said night night on a podcast. Yeah, for the second week in a row. Oh, God. Yeah, this has been great. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much uh, for checking out. The latest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to uh, subscribe and share, and uh, leave those five stars on on uh, those Apple Podcast things and, and a generous review uh, because that's necessary as well. Because al- algorithms suck. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just, just really good stuff to do. We, we appreciate it. But uh, yeah, thank you once again for rocking with us. We most certainly appreciate you. Uh, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And we will catch you sometime in the near future. And until then, try not to be misunderstood. And uh, forgive Starbucks and go buy a latte or something. I don't know. Yes. We will holler at you. Uh, take care of yourselves. Wash those hands and... Uh, Wear those masks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Peace. of Inspired One Enterprises. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swango. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB at Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave those five stars, and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us, and remember to be inspired to inspire, as that's what the inspired one does. Take care, God bless, peace.